Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. And thank you so much for tuning back into another amazing episode here on GEMS Podcast. With me in the hot seat is David Schlossberg. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about David so you can definitely connect with him. And you already know me, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, the host. So here is a little bit about David, y'all. He is definitely an influential man. David has a proven track record for increasing sales, revenue, and market share for family-owned businesses as a former sales executive for several large family agribusinesses, companies with 100 plus million. He has substantial experience serving on leadership teams and leadership committees, developing the vision and strategic plans for business development and revenue growth. David has worked directly with owners and investors who are taking the risk, their management teams, and the operations people at all levels within the organization. Most of his career experience has been in sales and business development, as well as product development and commercialization. So without further ado, please welcome David Schlossberg to GEMS Podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Genesis. Really appreciate uh, you having me on your your program this this morning and um, um, look forward to our, our conversation. My pleasure, David. And before we dive into B2B sales and business development, I definitely want to connect with you on a personal level so the audience gets to know you a little bit better. So there's two options I like to do here. So one is a rapid fire 10 question game and the other one is an icebreaker up front. So which would you like to do? Um, well, since my uh, my mind is not as sharp as I think it ought to be this morning, maybe just the uh, the icebreaker. Okie dokie, here we go. We're breaking the ice with David Schlossberg. So here's the question. I want you to share something crazy that you've done in your life or a fun and interesting fact about yourself. Um. Sure, I can uh, share a story about uh, something crazy, uh, crazy and fun. Um, and this is this is a, a all revolves around a family vacation that uh, we took some years ago in in New Zealand. And um, the the crazy fun part was we decided to uh, rent an RV for a week and drive around the uh, the South Island of New Zealand, which is just absolutely beautiful and spectacular, but I decided, you know, to, uh, actually there, there was such a demand for recreational vehicles to rent. The only way I could secure a vehicle is to go through a, uh, a business platform that was kind of your Airbnb of, um, RVs. And we ended up renting the RV from a gentleman. It was his, it was his RV that he had been using for his family. His family were, where they were all, um, uh, surfers, so it was it was really decked out for um, for for him and his family to go around the coast of New Zealand surfing. So very customized, and uh, so we 
we get in this RV and it's, it's fairly, a fairly old RV, but it seemed to be running just fine. And, uh, and um, our first day out, we were kind of off in the country going up a hill and suddenly I noticed the RV was losing power and uh, couldn't figure out, uh, I thought, well, maybe it was just the elevation, but then it was still losing power on the downside of the hill. So that seemed odd. And um, then I looked to my right, I noticed people were waving at me and uh, we, <laughs> we pulled over to the side and then no sooner did I stop, smoke started billowing out of this RV. So uh, the, the, the tragic thing was that uh, the RV burned completely to the ground completely toast, nothing left but the frame. But the good news is we got all our stuff out, but it, would, it was quite, a, quite an event. And it's been a family story that we continue to think, uh, talk about as just being a crazy time and a crazy vacation. That is crazy. And <laughs> after the RV burned, burned down, like how did y'all get back to like the hotel or wherever you all were staying? Yeah, that was the fun part. The people in New Zealand are just so nice and friendly. It was uh, uh, a local park ranger on his day off happened to pass by and was helping direct traffic around the obvious uh, scene that was being created. And uh, between this, uh, our park ranger and a local police officer were nice enough to drive us back to the closest town, which was about 30 minutes away. And the uh, police officer knew somebody at, uh, that owned one of the hotels there and was able to get us a room for the night. And uh, I mean, just the nicest people. And, you know, the company that uh, we rented the RV through was able to get us another RV the next day. So we were back on our way. The, the, the sad part was we had just been to the wine country and bought all this wonderful wine and uh, could, couldn't get that out of the RV in time. So... Oh, man. Well, I'm glad that the people in New Zealand were very nice and you guys were able to get back on the road and enjoy the remainder of your trip. So thank you for sharing that crazy story of you yes. and your family in New Zealand. So let's yes. just... <laughs> we, call it the, we call it the burning van in New Zealand, burning van celebration. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into our segment. Um which we're going to focus on business development and B2B sales. And your niche area with B2B sales is agriculture and horticulture. So let's first lay the foundation and explain to the audience what exactly is business development. Because sometimes people have one idea when in actuality, it may be more than just the idea or the assumption that they have. So yeah, just walk us through that, David. So that's a really good question, actually. Um, so really the difference between, there isn't a, a lot of difference between sales and business development necessarily. I like to look at it more of um, the business development as one key component or one key step in the sales process. And that's um, identifying uh, markets or identifying customers or identifying products that you would like to introduce to, um, to, to a market or to a region. So that ha um, either have not been there or you haven't been present there. So you're really creating a market for your product or service. And um, so that's um, um, a lot of what I've 
done in my career is is either creating a market uh, for a service or creating a uh, market for a product and also it's creating a or introducing a product or service that's new to a market so it becomes uh, something that's unique and and allows you to differentiate your your company from your competition and what are some of the challenges that you face whenever you're thinking about product development and introducing that to a new market where maybe you haven't really tested it out there fully, but you believe so strongly in this product that you're going to have a ROI. So you want to approach those businesses and do business to business sales or sometimes even B2C, business to consumer sales. But it's getting over the challenges and jumping over that hurdle to make yourself successful. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, again, um, I can, I'll share with you a personal story in, um, in my last, uh, last role that I had as, uh, as a, a market, marketing and sales director for, an, for a company that actually produced blueberry plants for blueberry growers, and um, the the business had two revenue streams. One was the production, growing plants and selling plants, and the other revenue stream was developing new varieties and introducing these new varieties to the marketplace. And um, it's uh, the the challenges that we faced. One of the big challenges we faced was you, we would develop a new variety that everyone would get excited about. Um, and the market would get excited about it as we started promoting it, but then we didn't necessarily have our production system, production pipeline ramped up fast enough. So we ended up introducing a, a new variety that everyone's excited about, anxious to get and plant uh, and find out we didn't have enough plants. So then you have, you've, you've, what you've done is committed kind of the cardinal sin of um, market development and product development is you, promote a product, but you don't have the pipeline to deliver the product. So you have disappointed customers. So that was, you know, that's one example. Um, and uh, the other, the other area is you have to test your product to make sure it delivers on the promise. And so if you introduce a blueberry variety that you say is going to be, you know, the berries are going to be so big and it's going to produce fruit in this, this window and the fruit is going to taste like, um, you know, the sweetest thing you've ever eaten and growers are going to be so happy because the, the plant is going to be easy to grow and yield lots of fruit. And then the growers plant it. And two years later, the plants are, you know, well, they're kind of poor performing and they're not yielding. And boy, that's a real problem because your customers, you've lost credibility and it could basically kick you out of the market for the, for the future because then you've lost, you've lost your credibility with, with your customers. So you need to make sure that whatever you introduce the promise you can deliver on that promise and the only way to do that is to test the product and give it a, a significant the appropriate amount of time to determine is this product really going to hold up once it gets into the consumer's hand or once it gets into the grower's hand depending on you know who your customer is and what the market is. Absolutely. And those are two great examples because sometimes people fail the testing part. So it's pretty much like taking the scientific method and applying it to business and then building out. And then another question I wanted to ask David is what made you focus primarily on agriculture and horticulture? And I hope I pronounced the second one correctly. So keep me honest here. Yeah. Fabulous. Fabulous. Um, yeah. I, uh, 
I got interested in, I really, I grew up in the business, you could say. My, uh, my dad had a, um, a business in New Jersey where I was born and raised. Uh, it was a, uh, was a feed store and garden supply. So at an early age, I was exposed to plants. My dad was a, um, a fabulous gardener. So I was introduced to gardening at a young age. And I just, uh, um, that's all I kind of knew as growing up. I worked in my father's uh, business from the, the, as soon as I was old enough and strong enough to carry a 50 pound bag of uh, feed and I was hired. So um, that's where I developed a passion for plants and gardening and horticulture. Nice. So it was like always something that you saw because it was what your dad was doing. So do you think having that experience and exposure made it easier for you to get into the field since you had firsthand, firsthand exposure through your dad and his business? Um, yes, I would say so. I mean, I ended up going to uh, college and studying agriculture, getting a degree in agronomy and um, you know, it was, it was fun because I, the things I was learning, I could relate back to the, you know, what I knew from the business, from my dad's business. So it seemed very relevant to me when I was going through studying in, you know, studying the science of agriculture and horticulture. Okay. Another um, idea that I will know a question I would say that I have is whenever you think about effective sales, what are some strategies to really help you stay ahead of the curve in, in light of your competitors to give you a competitive advantage? Because sometimes salespeople are sharks. And whenever you have that shark and bulldog tenacity, you could definitely turn folks off. But I think that if you lead with an impact and you are truly genuine about the product that you're bringing to the market, you're actually using your own product and not just trying to sell it. I think that goes goes a lot further versus just trying to, you know, spitball somebody. <laughs> I guess that's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one in a while, but uh, yeah, we, we used to call uh, in Texas, I spent a lot of time in Texas and, and uh, you know, we used to call them the silver tongue devils or, you know, somebody who, who could sell, um, you know, poop in a boot. Uh, but the, the key to success is being genuine and being humble and being, being able to basically listen, stop talking and listen to the customer and, and understand. And if you take the time to just listen, hear the customer and understand what problem they need to solve or what challenges they're having uh, and reflect on that, you'll, if, uh, if you do that, you'll be very successful because you'll take the time to think about, okay, how can I position my product to solve this problem for that customer? Um, and, you know, sometimes you might have to get creative about how you position that product, but at least you've taken the time to listen. And any, when somebody perceives that you're truly interested in what they have to say, you'll develop that trust. And that's the key. And if you, the second thing is to follow through. If you say you're going to do something, um, you need to follow through and deliver. Uh, so many times sales, what I've observed in sales teams uh, and people that I've managed, you know, they, they just are really dropped the ball in the follow through and customers. That's really the quickest way to lose, lose um, faith, lose trust uh, with a customer. If you don't deliver on what you say 
you're going to do. Absolutely. It's like your word is your bond. And I like that you mentioned the follow through because that is also how you develop those key account relationships with yes. your customers is deliver the product. Then once they have the product, follow up with them and say, how is the product working? Do you have any feedback, any improvements, anything else that you want to see? Or what problems are you having that maybe my company can solve? Because then if you hear it firsthand from the customers who are already inundated in your pipeline, then it actually helps you get ahead of the curve because now you're delivering on demand and supplying what their needs are. So how how beneficial is it to actually train your sales your sales team to really build that rapport with the customers and really find out what they need because sometimes we don't ask the right questions and when you ask the right questions then you're able to be a bridge to the gap and feel free to add on to that question or rephrase it so i um i think what i heard you ask is, um, you know, is, is um, about how to basically training and developing salespeople. And yes. that is, um, um, for, for me, um, in my career, the best way to uh, train, train someone is to um, really mentor uh, is meant is through mentoring. So take always taking the going, never going, sending a salesperson alone on a on a sales call or a presentation, especially when they're new. It's it's all about uh, being the being the trainer and being the model, modeling the behavior, um, showing them how to develop a presentation, uh, have them observe you present the service or product and answer questions ask questions of the the client but it's basically a, a process of of we call you know riding with or traveling with um, your salespeople in the field in front of customers so they can observe how you do it um, the other um, the other thing that's really important to do is to to really uh, uh, codify the sales process from a to z from the point of contact once you get a a lead what is the process what are the steps that you need to take to go from the lead to actually take the lead convert it to a client and close close the sale so if you can take that time to develop that process and codify it and if you can automate it through a crm or something uh, some type of crm um, then you're able to present to someone saying here's how we do it here's the steps in the selling process um, you know, we can help teach you this process and then we go out and we do it together. Um, and we, that's, I think, a, probably the, been the best, the most successful way for me to train and develop salespeople. I like that because you are going with the salespeople. You're not letting them go on their, on their own whenever they're new. You're developing a process that works. So as long as they follow that process, they could be successful. Then you come to the automation, making sure that they have a CRM in place and the CRM can act as you know, their backup to make sure that they're following every step. And it's not going to let you move on to the next step until you get the first one done. And I think once you are strategic, 
and you you have everything in place, then that is also going to allow you to really drive those revenues. So the sales revenue growth that you also focus on. And I think sometimes people try to skip ahead steps, like they don't want to do the market analysis. They don't actually want to get out in front of the um, customer or the client. They just want to, you know, just jump to the end. But you have to realize that without a steady and sturdy foundation, things are not going to flourish. So you have to be patient. You have to listen. You have to ask the right questions. And you have to learn from your failures in order for you to be successful. Yeah, a couple other you know points to consider that the very last comment you made is so uh, so relevant is that you need to create an environment uh, uh, where the the new salesperson feels it's okay to fail and um, you know and basically embrace that failure when they do and say okay well what 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 happened here what uh, what steps can we take uh, what do we what can we learn from this experience and apply that to uh, your future development. And then the second thing is that uh, is is so provide resources for your salespeople in their product or service, so they become the knowledge expert and the product expert. Because uh, there's there's nothing more um, challenging for someone new. Well, myself, I've experienced this. If you're not familiar with that product, you don't feel confident in that product or service that you're that you're trying to sell or representing the company. Um, it, it comes across in how you're perceived by your potential customers or clients. So really product knowledge and, and being, being okay to knowing it's okay to fail and knowing that their company supports you and that knows that that's part of the learning process. Absolutely. And another thing that I would add on to that, David, is make sure that you're in an environment that welcomes 360 feedback where the mm -hmm. trainers are giving feedback to the trainees and the trainees can also give feedback to the trainers because they're not the ones out in the field doing the day-to-day -day grunt work. So if you see something that you could actually improve on, then go for it. And I'm just speaking from experience. My background's oil and gas. I was 12 years in the trenches there. Oh <laughs> at corporate America for 15 years. And I thought it was always great when I was in an environment where we offered 360 feedback, because I could tell you all day long how to do this job safety analysis. But if I'm not the one on the rig and drilling and fracking, then I don't know hands on what's working and what's not. But I could tell you from a HSC perspective on, okay, this is what I think you should do, or a supply chain and logistics perspective, what my background is. But whenever the guy said, hey, I think that there's a better way to do this, I was like, okay, shoot, sure, let's shoot the breeze. Let's talk about it. Let's make sure that it's practical and it actually makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, right. No, that's absolutely right. And uh, um, the the industry I was in, uh, unfortunately, most businesses were really very small and didn't, uh, either didn't see the need or didn't have the resources to provide that kind of uh, 360 training, but when I did finally work for an organization that did that, I was it was transform transformational, it really was. So, so now before we jump into the call to action, David, I want to give you um, some time to share how they can actually drive sales revenue, because if you're not making money, you're not growing, and you definitely want to have a business that is not just surviving but thriving. So, can you give some quick tips regarding that subject matter? Driving sales revenue. Well, it's, um, <laughs> uh, 
I think the, well, first of all, you can, whenever I, I approached uh, a new market um, or, or an existing market, the first thing I would always try to go look at is where, think about where, where what is or where is the low hanging fruit? Um, and that's where I would focus my energy and develop my strategy was to address that low hanging fruit. So maybe it's, you've got um, a, a really great product and you've got market share that you haven't tapped into um, or you've got cust existing customers. And that's usually where it comes from existing customers that you can sell more of your product or service. If, uh, if you present it perhaps in a different format or it's a, it's a just kind of an add to your list of products or services that you can sell to those existing customers and get an initial jump in, in revenue. And then from there, go out beyond the existing customers and develop new customers in an existing market or look at a new market to sell to develop new customers. So kind of the go for the low hanging fruit and then build a strategy to develop new customers or new markets. Okay. And that seems like really easy, the simplest part, because if you know what the low hanging fruit is, you could capitalize on that. And once you capitalize on it, you could build. And I tell people it's the stair step model. You're gradually climbing up the stairs until you get to the top, but also make sure you're paying attention to the lessons that you learn along the way, what's working, what's not working. And I always encourage people to do your own SWOT analysis whenever you are taking on something new. What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? What are the opportunities? And what are the, th the threats? And then pair that with how am I going to get a ROI? Because you want to make sure that not only are you working in the business, but you're working on the business. Yeah. And I can, I, I don't know if we have time, but I can give you an, an example of, a, of a, where we, where I was able to take, a, take business and grow it exponentially because we, we basically took something that was an existing product, we repackaged it and sold it into a different customer retail channel. And it was, uh, it was basically, um, it's um, dormant, so um, dormant perennial plants in a, that are, were traditionally sold in a box one at a time at a garden center. And we, we took these bare root kind of you know, there's not there's nothing pretty about them there's nothing that the consumer looks at and goes oh that's got some pizzazz and sizzle it's just a looks like a dead stick but it's a dormant grape or or um you know whatever strawberry blueberry but we took those sticks we put them in a shiny box and we dressed them up with really snazzy marketing and we packaged it in a pallet uh, sales display unit and took that to costco and we sold in one, in one ad, it was over, it was the largest sale this company had ever had. And it was basically taking something existing, repackaging it and finding a different market channel to sell it into. And so that's, you know, that's, it's, it's taking the time to think about your customer and say, okay, what are they doing? What products are we selling them? And what, where might be some gaps or opportunities to be, get creative and figure out how to, how to find an, find an angle for our product or service that's going to add volume, add sales, and, and also be a success for the, for the customer. 
Yeah, that's, that's a good uh, strategy because definitely that rebranding and that marketing and packaging, like one of my friends who's in marketing, she's like, do you have sexy packaging? And I'm like, what? And she's like, people <laughs> actually look at the packaging. She's like, sometimes you could have the crappiest product, but if the packaging catches someone's attention and draws them in, they're going to want to buy it. I said, that's the dumbest idea. But then whenever I like paid attention, I was like, okay, you're totally right. And I was like, yeah. It's so funny how we we come from different backgrounds. I'm like, girl, I just want to do the dunt, the grunt work, the dirty work. I'm I'm used to hanging out with the guys all day. And then she's like, no, you got a sexy, you got to have sexy packaging, Genesis. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to you have to you know sizzle sells as they say. <laughs> yes. So let's jump into the call to action part of the segment, David. Once our audience hears the knowledge that you share today, what do you want them to do? Like, do you have a challenge for them? Do you want to funnel them to follow your website and connect with you? And then also share where you primarily hang out on social media. So, so yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one of the, uh, the old white guys. So I hang out on LinkedIn I'm not into, uh, I guess I haven't figured out how to get on Instagram yet and do the, you know, um, but that's where I hang out, LinkedIn. And um, I have a, a LinkedIn page for for myself and for uh, for my business. It's uh, it's Ferguson Alliance. Um, and uh, that you can find it on LinkedIn. And we also have a website. It's uh, www.ferguson-alliance com and you can find me there and reach out to me I would love to uh, chat with you um, and uh, I'm available for speaking speaking engagements uh, or training um, what what you're looking for but uh, free to visit our website there's a lot of information there and we can would love to yeah have an opportunity to chat with you and there you have it, listeners and viewers of Gems Podcast. You just heard my special guest, David Schlossberg. All of his contact information will be in the show notes down below. So make sure you read, read, read and connect. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also find all things video by heading on over to YouTube and typing in at Gems with Genesis of Ars Kemp. And last but not least, I want to thank each one of you for tuning in on a regular basis. Because of you, we are now ranked in the top two and a half percent globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. So thank you so much for your continued efforts. And if you have any topics, any suggestions or et cetera that you want to see here on the platform, shoot me an email. You'll get me, not my VA. So until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Be an asset, not a liability. And I challenge you to go learn something new about agriculture and horticulture so you can begin to be a well-rounded person. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel, Gems with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, 
A M A R I S Kemp K E M P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on Gems Podcast. <laughs>